Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the Steelers Fix Podcast, a part of the Steel Curtain Network from Fans First Sports. Here on the Fix, we talk all things Steelers with a focus on roster building and player development. My name is Jeremy Betts, and I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Andrew Willibar. Andrew, we've never met in person, but I still consider you a great friend, part of Steelers family here, and uh, a brother as well. So, hey, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I re- we really need to find at some point find a way to cross paths or may see if there's a way we can both get down to the scouting combine this year or yeah. something. Uh, but yes, uh, busy as always. Never a dull moment in college life, but uh, things keep on going. Have a lot going on, but um, just keep plugging away at it. Yeah. How is college life? I mean, uh, maybe if some of our listeners are in college, what's what's your experience? Or is it 24-7 or do you have a, a chill setup? What's going on? Well, I am in, in college, but I'm in Bible college. So it's it is yeah. a different it's a different perspective than some. It's you know, a smaller environment, it may not be the same college atmosphere that most would, you know, necessarily consider, but it's uh the one thing I like is that, you know, that because it is a smaller campus, it's very easy to get different places um, to different classes. Uh, I can roll out of bed real quickly in the morning if I will sleep late and still get to classes yep. on time. <laughs> and it's not an issue. But, you know, I mean, there's obviously work uh, involved with it and just balancing the college life. You have this, you have work, uh, you have uh, extracurricular activities with the college and 
a lot going on. And uh, besides that, in the fall, I run a youth conference at our church, uh, a one-day youth rally. So that's going to be coming up this uh, November. So it, there's just a lot uh, that goes on. And but it's you know it's good. You know the Lord has provided, and uh, you know it's it, it's I'm enjoying it. I really am. It's just it's very busy, especially when it yeah. gets to the weekend and you have so much going on, and then you're trying to cram in as much football as you can at the same time. Uh, it's a, it is definitely a lot. Sleep is the one thing that probably you have to sacrifice the most. Um, but you just get used to four and five hour nights of sleep and yeah. move on. There you go. And that, ladies and gentlemen, was a peek behind the curtain of An- the life <laughs> of Andrew Wilbar. And uh, let's move on, Andrew, though. We've got a lot to talk about today. Um, the Steelers are two and one. They held on on Sunday night football, despite the refs and Raiders best effort combined and uh there were some positives to take away from this matchup there were some negatives to take away from this matchup we'll let some other people handle most of that but just real quick uh, we're going to get into sweeping statements so i'm not going to ask you like your overall thought but uh are you are you more positive about the steelers team after week three or still kind of uh, we got a, a lot of work to do to be where I thought we were going to be this year, this year. I'm definitely in that second category. Frankly, if we're being honest with ourselves, the Raiders are not that good of a football team. We didn't right. really expect them to be at the beginning of the year. And they, they really aren't there's, they have some pass rushers. They do a good job of rotating in their guys, keeping them fresh. And uh, Jacorian Bennett has been great for them in the secondary. Yes. And we saw flashes of greatness uh, when he was in coverage this past week. But still, there's a lot of issues on that defense. And we saw when the Steelers offense got into rhythm, they had their way for, with them for a short period of time. But then play calling, poor offensive line play, you know, plagued the Steelers once again. So yeah. I, do, I think there's a lot of issues. There wasn't much progression, really. It was just the Steelers played a team that was easier, and they should have won by more than what they did. They allowed them to get back in. A couple missed calls by the refs and then just poor playing and yeah. poor fundamentals. And we'll get into some of that as the show progresses. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of fall into the second category as well as far as the question I asked you is like, how do we feel based on what we were hoping this year would go? I still feel like there's a lot left on the table here, and maybe the Steelers pick it up and they get rolling and the defense shores up some of its, its holes and the offense continues to rumble and and get better incrementally week by week. But as we saw and have seen for the last several years, but especially this week, if you're going to hang with the top tier teams in the NFL, you're going to need a lot of points and 23 points, 26 as the high on the season. That's not going to cut it come playoff time. So the Steelers are going to have to really put, put it together and continue to grow they've got a tough texans team a surprising texans team in week four so that's a matchup to watch but andrew let's jump into our favorite segment here that we try to do every week we didn't do it last week had some scheduling issues and uh ended up doing a podcast late but uh this time we're going to do our two minute drills and andrew we'll start off with you going through the highlights of college football i'm going to pull up my timer here and get you going are you ready i am all right let's dive in in three two one well i don't have much quantity this week but the quality of players 
top notch. Joe Alt, offensive tackle from Notre Dame. If you watched any of that game against Ohio State, Alt had his way in pass in uh, pass. I was about to say pass coverage and pass blocking against Ohio State's edge rushers, whether it was Tui Molo out, it didn't matter who he was lined up against. He had his way with them. And sometimes he was creating holes in the running game. The running backs went through a different hole. It, the play wasn't coming to his place, but his game was just about as flawless as you could expect. Uh, absolutely great game by the entire Notre Dame offensive line. Uh, wasn't enough for them to come out on top. But Ohio State's pass rush could not get anything started. They were not able to accumulate any sacks throughout the entire game. And the Notre Dame offensive line was really what kept them in, even though there were some other limitations on that Notre Dame offense, which was evident as the game went on. But the offensive line played really, really well, and Alt is working his way toward being a top-10 pick in this upcoming draft. If you want a linebacker, there's not that many of them, but one of the guys who could be a top tier guy is Jeremiah Trotter Jr. from Clemson. We mentioned him over the summer once or twice. Six tackles, one and a half tackles for loss and one sack, albeit in a loss. Uh, but he was a big reason as to why the defense was were able to come up with a few key plays, a few key stops on third down. Trotter was all over the field, moving sideline to sideline. We saw his mobility across the field. He's going to be a hot commodity this spring. Xavier Thomas, edge rusher from Clemson, had a good game himself, had a sack and two tackles for loss. Had a nice production on the day. Uh, Xavier uh, Xavier Thomas, Dallas Turner from Alabama. I don't want to beat a dead horse with the top-notch guys, but Dallas Turner, in my opinion, after the past couple weeks, he may be the best edge rusher in this draft. Had two uh, sacks, three-and-a-half tackles for loss, and then Deshaun Fenwick running back from Oregon State, 6'2", 222. He's averaging 6.8 yards per carry in the last three weeks. 6.8 yards per carry in the last three weeks. Is that what you or just this, said? This, the, this season, my bad. Now, it's only on okay. 37 carries. But still, okay. it's 6'2", 222. He's got pretty impressive bursts in the open field. And 6.8 yards per carry isn't anything to uh, sneeze on. No, absolutely not. And I wanted to make the point that I did watch Ohio State versus Notre Dame, and I was consistently sitting there going, how come Jack Sawyer and JT – Tui Malolau cannot get to the quarterback here, and Joe Alt was just crushing him, and, and it was it was a tough watch, and we needed every second of that football game to win. So, oh man, tough stuff if you are an Ohio State fan. But hey, at least you get a victory there. Michigan, meanwhile, rolling and uh, setting Despite up a poor play from JJ McCarthy, but <laughs> yeah, I mean he's leading the Big Ten in pass yards right now, I believe. So. But there that's not, I mean, not who else you got there? Point, but still, <laughs> right. yeah. Right, absolutely. All right. I've got some good bets and bad bets. Andrew, are you ready to, to time me up here? I am 100% ready. Now, I'm excited to hear this. I was missing this last week. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing what you have. Well, I know you rely on me completely for setting your lineups every week. So I do, I know especially in leagues that I'm yeah. 0-3 in right now. What are you, you got to give me better advice. I know. I'm so sorry. Uh, I've been keeping all the good advice for myself. Absolutely. Do you have any leagues this year that like most years, most of my teams perform pretty similarly on a given week this year, I've got two leagues. I'm Owen three in, and I've got like three other leagues. I'm three and Owen. Do you have any, yeah. you have like a gap this year or are all your teams middling? Yeah, I've got two, three and O's and I've got basically the rest are two and ones or one and twos. I don't have any. Oh, 
oh and threes right now so i'm okay there but I, i've got a couple teams that i've got some issues with that i'm <laughs> i'm gonna have to figure out but uh hopefully this week clarified some things although it may have just added more fuel to a, a fire that will not be uh shut down in 2023 of insanity so i'm ready whenever you are let's do it let's do it don't start desmond ritter by the way i did that this past week bad bad <laughs> bad decision anyways in three two one go all right let's start in miami where else can you start but in miami but let's start with the running backs because there's a lot of work to go around with this running game and devon a chain and uh raheem mostert were incredible in this in this game uh combined 96 ppr fantasy points four touchdowns apiece, just insanity it's not going to happen again but you still got two guys there that can break uh break it to the house on any given play. So those are two guys that you're definitely going to want to have on your roster. A chain is, is a great ad this week on the waiver wire. And I think it's sustainable for the most part with this running game, with this offense to have at least one or two of these guys be viable fantasy commodities on a, a weekly basis. Watch out for when Jeff Wilson jr. Comes back though in a couple weeks, Keenan Allen with the injury to Mike Williams, Keenan Allen absolutely is going to take over for fantasy managers and he's already been fantastic but justin herbert is slinging it just as as well as anybody in the league and as much if not more than anybody in the league keenan allen is a fantastic uh, player and you're going to want he's a weekly starter just pray he does not get hurt himself uh, wide receiver ones versus the steelers defense so if you are uh playing the steeler if you have a wide receiver one for a team that's playing the Steelers defense, go ahead and start them because they're just an automatic uh, big play between Brandon Ayuk, Amari Cooper and Devonte Adams combined 91.1 fantasy points through three weeks. PPR leagues. That's the good bets. Bad bets. Najee Harris, 17.1 PPR through three weeks. That's terrible stuff. Bad stuff. Falcons pass catchers. Oh my goodness. You mentioned Desmond Ritter. It's not great for the Falcons pass catchers. And then a former Falcons pass catcher, Calvin Ridley, has dropped three touchdown passes the last two weeks. That is not good, and he needs those touchdown grabs to stay relevant in fantasy. Yeah, you kill me at the end because I have Drake London in a couple leagues. I yeah. have Calvin Ridley in a couple leagues. I'm telling you what, my drafts, I was so confident in coming into the year. Not as confident as I once was, especially having Najee in a couple leagues too. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. Najee was I, by the end of by the end of the off season when drafts were actually rolling around, I had cooled on the Najee Harris quite a bit, and I'm glad I did because I actually have zero shares of him in 13 leagues. Wow! So I uh, steered clear of that ship. Uh, I also have zero shares of Desmond Ritter in 13 leagues, except for maybe one dynasty league. I can't remember. Uh, Dynasty, sure he'll be, he might be okay. I have several shares of Kyle Pitts, however, and uh, that has not been great mm. so far. The no. targets are there, but he just he just doesn't get quality targets. Uh, although I will say this: as if you're looking for a streaming option this week, you could do worse than Desmond Ritter against the Jacksonville defense that just gave up almost 400 yards to C.J. Stroud and three touchdown passes and mm -hmm. uh, looked less than stellar and it's a London game. So anything can happen, but yeah. all right. Hey, let's take a quick break here on the Steelers fix podcast. 
to get a word in from our sponsors, pay some bills here. And then when we come back, we've got our sweeping statements on the offense and defense. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. The Steelers fix. We'll be right back. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, welcome back to the Steelers Fix podcast. We're going to jump into some sweeping statements here. I was not ready for the end of the music there, Andrew. I was uh, reading ahead on our sheet, and I just uh, was like, oh, wait, I'm supposed to talk now. Uh, welcome to Podcasting 101. You'd think I uh, had not been doing this for a while, but hey, it's all right. We're doing this again. Sweeping statements through three weeks, and we've got some some good ones here. Um, Andrew, I want to to throw it to you first because uh, we've got a similar one that I want to just kind of bounce off of here, but let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Give me a sweeping statement about the offensive side of the ball. And we're going to do two on each side per person. So we'll get through these here, but give me an offensive sweeping statement that uh, you are really feeling right now. 
This one's pretty easy, but I'm going to say George Pickens. He would be a top 10 receiver in the NFL if he had a competent OC and quarterback play. Yeah, 100%. And let me piggyback off of that by saying this. I think that the Steelers' passing attack could be a top 10 unit if George Pickens got a Devontae Adams-like target share in this offense. Yeah. Because, I mean, they're they're already like 16th or 17th in passing now through uh, th- through three weeks. It may be a little closer to 20th. I'll have to look that up again. But if George Pickens got targeted at the same percentage rate that Devontae Adams and some of the other elite wide receivers got targeted in their offenses, I just think you take this passing game to another level. And I can't understand why it's not happening. No Deontay Johnson again for a second week. And we, I like the 10 targets in week two against the Browns. I think with better quarterback play, like your statement says he has close to 200 yards in that game and maybe another touchdown, but he got much more competent quarterback play this week, but only four catches on six targets. And he needs more targets than just six yep. targets. Calvin Austin, the third had six targets and I'm sorry. I love Calvin Austin, the third, but he does not need the same amount of targets as George Pickens on the outside, yep. especially on some of these contested catch balls and, and back shoulder throws that Kenny Pickett likes to do. If you're throwing those to Calvin Austin, the third, then there's something wrong with your offense. I agree. And I don't know exactly how to juice it up and say something that neither you or I haven't said on the matter. Other than that, just the way that, I mean, George Pickens is separating. That was his issue last year. He's not separating. Well, he's getting open this year. It's just Pickett is not finding him. He's second-guessing yeah. himself. He doesn't have the same confident demeanor he had at the end of last year. I, I mean, there is a truth. The sophomore slump is true, not just in actual college life. It is true in, you know, the NFL. I just don't know what the exact issue is. But you always have to be worried because Pickens is a very confident player, but there's a very fine line between confidence and cockiness. If he gets to the point of cockiness, the Steelers could have some issues. Right now, he is a very confident receiver who knows that he is ready to perform. But with the moment that cockiness become that confidence becomes cockiness is when you have A-B issues. And when you have the same issues the Steelers have had with some different receivers throughout the past decade, the, the Steelers just have to maintain – Pickens, keep him in perspective. He's got to remain humble. But if he can, he's got – I mean, he's there. He is the guy. He is ready. You can see yeah. him. He he's looks like the number one receiver out there. Yeah. Yeah, he absolutely does. It's It, it boggles the, the imagination that the Steelers don't either think he's ready or Matt Canada just cannot scheme him as the number one receiver. It, they, I've been under the impression now – end of last year early on this year Deontay Johnson is more of a crutch for this offense than he actually is a hey boost to the offense and that's because of how he's used because the Steelers view Deontay Johnson for whatever reason as their number one receiver not George Pickens and until that mentality flips this passing offense will be held in check by its own self And, and that is it's 
it's not fair to Steelers fans. It really isn't. It's not fair to George Pickens. It's not. If George Pickens was in Los Angeles with the Chargers, this dude would be the best be receiver in football, maybe. The best receiver in football, maybe. Absolutely. And I'm not comparing Kenny Pickett and Justin Herbert yet, but I'm just saying an offense that recognizes a wide receiver one and can use it. That is that changes the ball game, and that's why wide receivers are getting these huge paychecks. Deontay Johnson's not that kind of receiver. George Pickens is absolutely. Yep. I All agree. right, let's get let's get on to our second one here. I'll go ahead and start this one. Uh, I'm going to go the Najee Harris route, and this is kind of a negative. Uh, the, the other one was a, a negative with a potential positive outcome. I don't know if there's a positive outcome here, uh, and my sweeping statement is Najee Harris is not a modern NFL running back you can build a run game around. I don't yep. know if that's the Steelers misidentifying him in the draft pre in the draft processes that I thought maybe he was because I thought he had some creativity and the ability to make some stuff up for himself, but he absolutely does not. And I think you can safely say that now after nearly four years of play, it's just, it's just there's something missing, and it's it's not just the O-line because when Jalen Warren gets in there, it's the same offensive line, and yep. it just looks different. It might not be yielding extremely different results right now. In fact, Najee Harris has been more efficient on the ground this year, but that's two big runs in a very, very small sample size, and Jalen Warren just looks more explosive. He's the better pass catcher. He's the better pass blocker than 235-pound Najee Harris. The modern NFL running back that you build an offense around is Christian McCaffrey. It's B. John Robinson. It's probably Jameer Gibbs. It's guys like that. Those are the guys that are worthy of first-round picks and nobody else. Najee Harris is not that guy. That's my sweeping statement. What are your thoughts? I can't disagree. He's trying to be Derrick Henry, and he's not. Yep. He needs to get back to the Najee Harris he was in college. Quit trying to get up to 245 pounds. You're slower with each pound that you put on, Najee. Get back to the shape you were in in college when you're talking, you know, 220, 225 maybe. Yeah. Get down to that size. You still have enough power to be able to make things happen on the goal line. Start running lower. Bring the pads down a little bit. And that was an issue he had in college, but it just wasn't as prevalent as it is in the NFL. He still runs too high. That's something that hasn't been fixed, and I blame Eddie Faulkner partially for that. We've seen no development in Najee Harris's game. You got to develop first round picks like that. He had the talent. He still does have the talent to be a great NFL running back, but fundamentally, he is not any better at all than what he was when he came out of college. Nothing has improved. And I'm still trying to figure out everyone was complimenting him his rookie year on, you know, oh, he's the first one in, the last one out, all this. What's happened? We're yeah. not seeing it. He doesn't look like he cares that much. It doesn't look like he has this great conditioning. He looks like just another San Francisco dude, some thug from San Francisco. Like, you know, everyone's talking about, oh, this great story. The guys, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to question the guy's work ethic or character or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just saying he, when Jalen Warren is in the game, you can see that he's playing with more passion. And, and, and it's a difference in this game. Jalen Warren does not. When he hits full stride, Najee Harris in a straight line, I believe, is still a faster running back when he's in a good football shape than Jalen <laughs> Warren. Jalen Warren's not that fast. He's a high 4-5 runner. Yeah, But you can see with the energy he plays in the zeal, you wouldn't be able to tell because you can see his passion out there. We don't see Najee's passion right now. 
Yeah, and I, you know you can attribute some of this to the offensive line, but a yeah. lot of it's on him. Yeah, and I I mentioned last week when we were talking about Najee Harris that I I think he starts slow. Like Jalen mm-hmm. Warren is closer to the line of scrimmage when he receives the handoff from Kenny Pickett than Najee Harris is. I just you mentioned a false step, and it's very apparent on tape that Najee just takes longer to get going, and that doesn't work behind this offensive line. So it's a pairing mismatch, and it's also, I think, an over an overestimation of his talent level overall. And we saw a little bit more cohesion on the interior of the offensive line. We'll get into the offensive line in a minute because I have I I think that was one of the ones I have. I'm not sure. I could be wrong. Yeah. But we saw we saw a little bit of improvement. But in Najee, like it, there were a couple runs where he took advantage of those holes on the double team blocks. But nothing major. Nothing is <laughs> there's nothing that in that game that made me think, oh man, Najee Harris is turning the corner and he's becoming what we thought. He's not nothing break. There's no breakaway. There's no breakout runs. <laughs> it's it's plotting. And you yep. can't plot in this day and age in the NFL. You've got to have some explosion in the running game as well. All right, let's get to your second sweet meek statement here. You did mention the offensive line. Let's talk about it. You've got something good to say about part of the offensive line, something bad to say about the other part. What you got? Yeah, I like the cohesion on the interior offensive line. I think that they're going to figure it out. They were not perfect. Sumalo still surprisingly got blown off a couple plays, which has been a little disappointing, but I think they're going to figure it out. We saw them working together. They were on a better page overall. The communication was much better, and albeit a road game too. The communication was better overall on the interior of the line. They played more cohesively. The tackles are like playing their own separate game out there. Chukso Korfor softness has always been kind of a concern of his game. Not always the strongest, doesn't have the strongest base. He's never been that guy, but he's been getting blown up multiple times a game. He struggled out there. Dan Moore had some good reps. Other ones, not so much. He's really inconsistent. And I mean, nothing has changed with those guys. Chooks played really well last year. He seems to have regressed some. And I, you know, I, it's, there's got to come a point where you consider moving Dan Moore to right tackle and start playing Broderick Jones. I know that it wasn't, he wasn't heaps and bounds better than Okorfor when he came into play last week, but you got to try something. Okorfor is not cutting it. I know he's not making a ton of money, but he's yeah. definitely not. I, he, I I definitely would not go as far as saying he's outperforming the money that he's at when most people were saying, oh, this guy's playing for you know a relatively cheap contract for the value he gives the team. Right now, he's not providing much value at all. He struggled Sunday night badly. And you know he he's just not playing along. He's not on the same line with James Daniels. Uh, just there's there's something missing there, and I can't put my finger on it exactly. But Okorfor is playing soft. He's not playing with leverage, and those things are hurting his game overall. Yeah, I don't think he has any counters. So if he gets nope. beat, if he gets beat early, then that's that's the end of it, yep. and he has no way to counter power or finesse in the rush. And so when you get a guy like Max Crosby on that end who is just absolutely relentless and will and will go, you know, multiple different ways at you in the same play, a core four has no response to that. So. Yeah. That that would be my con- concern there uh, to kind of follow along with you there. But I do like what I'm seeing out of the interior offensive line. Like you're saying, uh, 
Siamalu's best game as a Steeler against the Raiders. And I think that continues to improve as that yep. interior gels. But yeah, we talked about it last week. I think the rookies need to see the field more. I think Broderick Jones needs to see the field soon. And the Steelers have an early bye week this year. I don't typically like that. Might like it this year. If yep. the Steelers actually make some moves and say, okay, we need to get, I know Levi Wallace had some interceptions in this game, right place, right time for him. Yep. <laughs> uh, but he gives up too many big plays. Joey Porter Jr. needs to be on the field more. Broderick Do- Jones needs to be a starting tackle for this team. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, let's move to the defensive side of the ball, Andrew, and we'll go right back to you here. Um, give us your first sweeping statement about the defense through three weeks. Well, you had the perfect segue right there because that's exactly what I'm talking about. Creating turnovers does not override poor fundamentals. And yes, I'm looking at you, Levi Wallace. He got he got fortunate to just be in the right place for two interceptions. Yes. The rest of the game, he, he was off wasted, wasted by Devontae Adams. <laughs> Absolutely toasted throughout the game. Devontae Adams made him look like a fool. The, the part of it, I still believe is scheme. I still believe it is scheme. We we saw some man coverage mixed in. We also saw times where he's his eyes are on the quarterback. Devontae Adams runs a quick slant to the inside. It took him like a good quarter of a second to finally react yeah. and understand where <laughs> the play was going. He's already two steps behind Adams, and he's already past the first down marker. It's it's bad, and I don't know what's wrong with it because I like Levi Wallace. He played really well at the end of last year. He has it in him. I just don't know whether it's scheme. He's just not there mentally right now or what is going on, but he is the weak link of the secondary. And Joey Porter Jr., when he's been in the game, he's looked good. I think it's time to bring him in. Don't waste time with this. Your opponents aren't going to get much easier than the Raiders, and you still struggled to stop him. And, you know, Pat Pete had some good plays in that game. There were a couple times where he got beat, but overall he still played pretty well. Yeah, you got to put Joey on the other side, though. I think you see Patrick Peterson play out of his mind when you have Joey Porter Jr. playing across from him. You have the mentor, you have the young guy, but you have the young guy who's already flashed potential, the young guy who's growing by the week, a young guy who's he's got a good head on his shoulders, and he plays a very balanced game, can play in many different schemes, and he just has better closing speed than Wallace does. And that's yeah. why it, it's a struggle to figure out where Wallace fits in this defense. You can play him in the soft coverage because he's not the most athletic guy. That's ideally where you want to play him a little bit further off the line so that he doesn't get beat deep as often. But the problem is that he doesn't have great closing speed. So on underneath routes, he's a liability if there's no other defenders there because he's not a great open field tackler. There's just too many holes in this game that were covered up, even in Buffalo, because he had a Tredavious White he was playing with. He had a strong... Uh, secondary with Micah Hyde and other guys, Jordan Poyer, a good secondary. Here, when he's out on an island or when he's in zone coverage and you, he has there's too much wiggle room for the receiver underneath, he struggles. And I think that's just being brought to the surface now that Cameron Sutton's gone, a guy that he played really well with. Now Patrick Peterson's there, a different type player. It's time to bring in Joey Porter Jr. Yeah, and that was that was your second statement here, you know, so they kind of work together. You said yeah, I didn't even realize that. <laughs> yeah, creating turnovers does not override poor fundamentals. And then your second yeah. statement was get off the soft coverage and get Joey more playing yep. time. And so, yeah, the secondary to me is so one of my statements is letting opponents, top receivers, 
bash them will be the defense's downfall in games. If you can't, once you get to the playoffs, stop Devon Adam like players, then you are going to lose in big games because your offense won't be able to keep and that up and fast ASAP. They want getting in teams and falling flat on their faces on defense. So that was kind of my, that was one of my statements there. And then my, my second statement for the defense is the Steelers isn't the best in league is just for us. And they're going to give up some yards. I mentioned this to start the oops. Well, looks like we just lost Jeremy for a second with his connection. I think he's trying to get back in, but the point uh, that Jeremy was talking about there, I, I really I can't for more. their own offense. So splash they create for their offense. It's something that I buy traditional in a lot of ways, other than the takeaways and the sack, what does to change the game and what it does to, to put your off be successful more often. That is something that, you know, it, you, you just gotta, you just gotta take the, the good with the bad a little bit there. So the Steelers defense isn't the best in the league, but it is the splashiest. And that is something that we'll have to consider throughout this process. And I know we were having some connection issues there, Andrew, yes. but basically what I was saying is that, you, you know, you've got a defense here. They're not, they're going to give up some yards, but they're going to create a lot of splash. And I think what the start are banking on, they're not going to look like the Cowboys at the end of the year. when it comes to creating splash yes i i agree with everything you said i apologize for the listeners that were in there i had lost all connection with jeremy for a second there so that's why i jumped in uh for a second then you heard him come back in uh but no i agree with everything you're saying uh in the steelers that's really what has kept the steelers going is the splash plays and the splash plays are being created I mean, when you look at the, especially the first interception by Levi Wallace in that game, it was the interception should have really been rewarded to TJ Watt and Alex Highsmith for generating pressure on that play. The pressure is what is generating the turnovers that the secondary is feasting on. And that's where the Steelers are going to have to make their money. It's going to come through that pass rush. Alex Highsmith and TJ Watt have to remain healthy. If they do, Nobody wants to face this front, even without Cameron Hayward. Imagine what it's going to be like when Cam Hayward comes back. I mean, nobody yeah. is going to want to play these guys. Keanu Benton is playing really well. Uh, he had himself a sack this past week. Uh, DeMarvin Leal, he's he's working through some things, but he's he's played solid and he's serviceable for a guy who's coming in as a reserve. He's had some good reps. There have been a few times he got blown off the ball. But uh, overall, you know, these guys on the front are the ones creating the turnovers. Really, yeah. That that won't necessarily show up on the stat sheet each time, but the pass rush is what's doing it. But I, I agree one hundred percent with what you're saying. Uh, the splash plays, uh, it's been wonderful for the Steelers, but they've yeah. got to they've got to learn to be able to. They have to be able to learn to survive on more than just that. Yeah, I was going to say just to kind of close out that thought that 
splash comes and goes. And if it goes at the wrong time, <laughs> like it has done against the chiefs in the playoffs a couple times and, um, against the, the Jaguars and, and the Browns in recent years when you had, you know, decent offensive structure, decent defensive structure around you, but the splash goes away. What, what are you going to do to counter that? So you've got to have some technical solidness in order to stay afloat in those times. And you're going to win some ball games like they did in week two and even week three uh, with splashy defense. But when that goes away, if that goes away in week four against Houston, do you trust the Steelers offense to make up the difference? Do you trust the Steelers defense to be technically sound enough to make up the difference? I don't know if I do right now, even against a Texans team that has plenty of issues of their own uh, being a young team, new head coach, rookie quarterback. I mean, it sets up as a, uh, the Steelers should win this game in week four, but there's just, a there's issues. And if you turn a blind eye to those, then you're going to end up disappointed. So as Steelers fans, we should be prepared because there's the potential that this could go south real quick if some of these things don't get tightened up. And now I will say this, Mike Tomlin knows how to tighten a ship for the most part, at least to remain competitive. But we don't want just competitive Steelers yep. this year. That's not been the the hype and the talk up this offseason. And I'm not changing my tune now just because what we're seeing on the field doesn't match the expectation. I still believe it could get there, but I also believe that it could not and we could have some issues. Andrew, any final thoughts on these sweeping statements, offensive or defensive, whole team, coaching, anything final before we get out of here and let the listener go? Just what we've been beating a dead horse with for since the time the season began. Fire Matt Kanda, get George Pickens the ball, stop drafting running backs in the first round, the offense is fixed, and then the defense just fix your coverage scheme and put Joey Porter in the game. We're Super Bowl contenders. Oh, man. You've got it all laid out, huh? Andrew Wilbar. <laughs> <laughs> I just wish it was a quick fix. Uh, so we'll see Steelers if the Steelers can. That's right. We'll see if what the Steelers can overcome this year. It's a long season ahead. A lot can change. A lot can stay the same. We will see. Andrew, thanks for joining me on a late night here. But, hey, we're getting it done. And I hope that, Steeler Nation, you are tuning in to everything from the Steel Curtain Network and the Fans First Sports Network. I've got a new fantasy football show that I'm doing two days a week now, so check that out on Fans First or on the Fans First Sports NFL feed. Just a, some quick hitter shows on Tuesday and Thursday if you want to get some fantasy football advice there. And uh, Andrew, you've got a lot of stuff going up on the website on a weekly basis. I've been a little cooler on the website side, but I'm starting to pick that back up as well. But uh, we're getting it done here at Fans First Sports and Steel Curtain Network. Uh, for Andrew Wilbar, my name is Jeremy Betts. We'll see you next time on the Steelers Fix. 